Amen. With beauty like that, one could turn the world upside down. So says Fyodor Dostoevsky in his classic novel, The Idiot, a novel I referenced in my very first sermon here at Boulevard. And a broken, cynical, hurting, suspicious, quarrelsome, unjust, deeply divided world, beauty, beauty can save the world, can turn it upside down. That at least was Dostoevsky's contention. And it just so happens to be my contention as well. And the reason why this is my contention, and for that matter, the reason why it was Dostoevsky's contention, was because this was the contention of the early Christian church. You see, the discerning listener will hear in Dostoevsky's line the deep echo of Acts chapter 17, where Jesus' followers are called, quote, those who are turning the world upside down. The beauty of Christ's way is such that it can ignite and inspire a complete reformation of ourselves and our world. For with beauty like that, Dostoevsky says, one could turn the world upside down. That brings me to Christ's words. As he stands atop a Galilean mountain in Matthew chapter 5 and addresses one of the first flocks of followers to have sought him out as a new spiritual leader. You see, at this point in the narrative, Jesus has only been engaged in public ministry for a matter of months. It was not long ago at all at this point that he was baptized by John. And from there, he was, of course, sent out into the wilderness for 40 days. And now at this point, he's only been roaming the countryside, teaching and preaching and healing for a matter of weeks, really. But short though that time has been, these people who have flocked to him have come because they have seen something in his humble way. Sure, they've been drawn to him for his reputation as a healer, no doubt. But they've also been drawn to him simply for his reputation as a human being. Here's someone who sees something, they've thought to themselves. Here's someone who understands things on a deeper level. Here's someone who might be able to show us the way. And so having been drawn to him for these reasons, here they are now with him atop a mountain, hanging on his every word. And in perfectly resonant fashion, Jesus now teaches that true blessing comes not in riches and power and status and authority, but rather in humility and service and kindness and peacefulness. And perhaps they've heard this message before. In fact, it would be almost shocking if they have not heard this message before, for Jesus is by no means the first person 
to teach an ethic of selflessness. But here before them now is someone who, in a deep, profound, almost inexplicable way, actually embodies the words he's saying. Suddenly, in Jesus, the message is made clear for them by the messenger himself. Do you follow that? That is what we see happening underneath the text in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. We see not just words being spoken, but we see a way being made clear. And we see that way grabbing people, grabbing a hold of them and changing them. And suddenly giving their lives hope and meaning and clarity and purpose and direction. And this might seem grandiose and overblown what I'm saying right now, but I assure you it's not. For picture them here, will you? Here they are in a world where nations are constantly rising up against other nations around them. Where their own cynical leaders are in the pockets of the Roman government. Where new religious leaders pop up on the daily with new instructions and ideas for them to live by. Or emptiness and uneasiness has spread across the land like a fog. Here they are in such a climate there in first century Palestine, confused and conflicted, uncertain about the way forward, when suddenly this man Jesus appears. And he has something to say. And moreover, his life embodies that which he's saying. And so it is that we watch in Matthew chapter 5 as the beauty of Christ's way draws them in and in so doing turns their world upside down. Still with me at this point? Okay, good. Hang tight because I want to shift gears for just a minute. I want to shift gears and I want to quickly tell you a story. One Sunday afternoon, about three years ago, we had gotten home from church and had just settled into our afternoon when April asked me to go up to Ada's room to check on her and make sure she was okay. Ada had gone upstairs to play for a while and At age three, she'd just reached the age where we'd been allowing her to have some unsupervised playtime. So she'd been upstairs probably about 15 minutes or so, and April was busy attending to then baby Juliana. So she asked me to go upstairs and check on Ada. So I did. I went upstairs and I came to the threshold of Ada's open doorway and suddenly I saw her sitting in her bay window holding her favorite stuffed animal looking out her window and softly singing this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine cute story right Now for this story to fully impress upon you the point I ultimately hope for it to make, though, you have to first understand, Ada did not see me in this moment, nor did she have any awareness that I was coming up the stairs. In other words, she didn't realize in this moment that anyone was watching her. 
She was instead all alone looking out at who knows what and softly singing this little light of mine. And so here now is why I tell this story. Like most of you, I have heard and have sung badly this song countless times in my life. I know it by heart and I know what it means. However, never before had the message so perfectly fit the moment for me that suddenly the song's meaning was made clearer to me because of the moment. That was a complicated sentence, I know. Let me try to unpack that. Here in this moment, seeing this beautiful little child, this child whose effect on my own life had been, from the moment she arrived, one that had changed my priorities and softened and humbled me and made me want to become a different and better man, to become an altogether new kind of person. To hear this little child sing the words, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. To hear this child who'd had that effect on me sing these words, suddenly open my eyes to the deeper truth embedded in the song. Hearing her sing these words suddenly open my eyes to the way we really can be lights to one another. Opening one another's eyes to new and better ways of being. Does that make any sense? If not, I'm going to take another run at it in a minute. Hang tight to this story for a second. I'll come back to it. Let's turn our focus back to Matthew chapter 5 now and back to Jesus' sermon on that mountain. As this crowd now sits at Jesus' feet, listening to him preach on humility and service and kindness and peacefulness, on justice and mercy and righteousness and love, as he preaches, slowly they begin to realize these aren't just pretty words. This isn't just an appealing philosophy. This is the way this man really is. This way really is possible, and this is a beautiful thing, and I want this for my life. Jesus himself, the resonance between his message and his person, opens their eyes in this moment to something altogether new and possible. And in recognizing it, their lives are changed. By seeing the beauty of his way, their worlds are turned upside down. And it is a stunningly beautiful moment early in Matthew's gospel. And it sets the stage for countless other encounters just like this one that will soon follow. But watch what happens next. Watch what happens right here in this moment. Just as Jesus' words and way have opened this group's eyes to his way of being. Just as their lives have begun to be changed because of him. Suddenly, Jesus turns the attention of the sermon to them. And he says to them, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. 
Now, for those of us who have been in church most of our lives, we have likely heard this line numerous times, right? For this is one of the most recognizable metaphors in all of Scripture used to describe the corporate Christian body. We are the light of the world. But I bring this all up today, and I tell this story of Ada and her singing today because I want today to draw our attention to something I think we tend to miss when we hear or read these words. I think we as Christians have a way of only hearing this as a plural you. That is, of only hearing that we taken together are the light of the world. And while this is no doubt true, and while this is no doubt what Jesus was saying, we must also realize that the corporate Christian body cannot be the light of the world if its individual members are hiding our own lights under a bushel. you follow? And moreover, we must realize that particular people in particular places do not apprehend the light of Christ, do not see the beauty of his way through seeing some abstract general Christian body, but that instead particular people apprehend the light of Christ, see the beauty of his way by seeing it illuminated by and in particular people. And so then I bring this all up today so as to encourage us at a time when our world needs more light and less heat more than ever. I bring this all up today to encourage us to hear these famous words with fresh ears. I bring this all up today in order to ask us how might these words take on fresh meaning for us if instead of hearing them as you are the light of the world, we instead hear them as you are the light of the world? What if suddenly we hear these words as assigning to us, each of us, the responsibility to do for others? And I don't just mean generally, I mean today, I mean right now, what if we hear these words as assigning to us the responsibility to do for others that which Jesus himself was doing for that crowd right in this moment? What if suddenly we were to feel the responsibility of not just talking about humility, but of demonstrating it to others with our very lives? What if suddenly we were to feel the responsibility of not just paying lip service to kindness and peacefulness, but of actually making these virtues manifest in our own lives? What if suddenly we were to cease simply lauding the ethic of service and selflessness, but instead began making service and selflessness demonstrable realities in our own lives? Put simply, what if suddenly we came to realize, came to really understand and really appreciate 
that for others to ever see the world-changing power and beauty of Christ's way, we ourselves have to shine light on what that actually looks like. Leading me back now to that moment as I stood there in Ada's doorway. Softly, peacefully, unassumingly, unselfconsciously, there this precious little child sat singing these words, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. To understand this story, to understand this sermon, you must first understand. The power of that moment for me was not just the words she was singing or the fact that she was singing them, but was the meaning her very life and its effect upon me gave to the words she was singing. She wasn't just singing about being a light. For me, she was a light. Because of her, I had come to see love and commitment and service and gratitude in an all-new way. Because of her, I had come to see faith and hope and trust and gentleness in ways I had never seen before. And so as I watched her sing this song that day, I suddenly realized that I had come to see these things so much more clearly in my life because she had unwittingly shone a light upon them for me. These things had become more possible for me because of her. I saw now more clearly Because of her. Do you follow? Friends, this is what Jesus means when he says you are the light of the world. He is challenging each of us to make his way seem more possible. Challenging each of us to reveal the beauty of his way more clearly. So that a hurting world might see that which has always before just seemed to be words. Suddenly taking on flesh. Jesus stood on that mountain and said these words some 2,000 years ago. But 2,000 years later the world he was addressing is not so different from the world we live in today. Just as in his day, so too in ours. There is a world that is suffering under the weight of hatred and war and division and cynicism. Under the oppressive power of fear and isolation and insecurity and emptiness. Yes, the world today is every bit as broken as it was the day Jesus took to that mountain. And thus, just as in his day, there is a world of people desperately looking for healing and hope. In a world filled with so much evident darkness, there is thus a world of people desperately pining to see some light. Dear friends, we are the light of the world.
more significantly you. You are the light of the world. Every day you have the opportunity to, filled with Christ's Spirit, demonstrate for others what love and joy and peace and patience look like. Every day you have the opportunity to, filled with Christ's Spirit, demonstrate for the world what goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control look like. Yes, every single day you have the opportunity to, filled with Christ's Spirit, shine your light before all people that in so doing others might see every day. Friends, as I close, my hope then is that we will take from this passage from Matthew's gospel today a greater awareness that we are not just Christ's messengers, but that our lives themselves are the message. The Christ light in us is a beautiful thing. So let us hide it not under a bushel. For the world needs to see this beauty of Christ now more than ever. And with beauty like this, we could turn the world upside down. We are the light of the world. Would that we'd let it shine. Amen.